Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm doing well there, Kimasabi. Yeah, big election last night. Of oh. course, the Democrats, another moral victory for them. Moral victories. Listen, folks, moral victories. Joe, you know I'm sitting in Congress right now. Huh. I am in Congress right now in my moral victory seat. I folks, see. listen. Joan, I lost, okay? I've been there. I've run for office. There are no moral victories. None. Man, nice, nice straight jacket you got there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. So that guy on America's Got Talent Lesson, <laughs> the escape artist. He actually had a straight jacket on. Folks, there are no moral victories. Listen, I appreciate the effort of any candidate who puts his name in. I'm not virtue signaling anyone there. Democrat, Republican, it's tough to run for office. I can dispute your ideas, but I'm not a liberal. I don't feel the need to physically, violently, and aggressively attack people, okay? Running for office is tough, but there are no moral victories. There's one seat and one butt that goes in it, and it looks like you lost last night in Ohio. So a number of races last night, John James, an exceptional Senate candidate um, in Michigan, won his primary, and Trump-backed Troy Balderson uh, won. I'll get into that in a second. I also want to talk about the info info wars thing folks by the way listen i really appreciate your emails i mean this i put out my email for a reason and i work every day here for a reason i don't take days off because i adore and respect my audience you you all have made my life you have gifted me with so many opportunities i uh, it's hard to describe i thank the lord every night i say thank you for every opportunity you put in front of me um but sometimes i get emails i get a lot of them and it's <sighs> they're straight it's like why aren't you talking about what's going on in InfoWars and the deplatforming? Folks, I'll get to it. I don't talk about a lot of things on... I, it was really frustrating because, number one, I did talk about it last night in the NRA TV show, but I have things I prioritize, and I get to them when I think I have something to add, when I can get the full picture of what I think's going on, and I can add something. I, I don't talk about stuff out of my caboose. When I'm ready to talk about it, I talk about it because I feel like I can add to the conversation. If not... You can get that anywhere else. I, That's like why this is called the Dan Bongino Show. Yeah, <laughs> it's just weird because people are emailing me like I'm somehow avoiding yeah. the topic like I've ever avoided a topic. I mean, really? Yeah. This show, we, we avoid nothing no. here. Okay. Uh, today's show brought to you by buddies at My Patriot Supply. Folks, emergency food matters. I have cases of this in my closet. I have two kids. I have a wife. And what you saw what happened in Puerto Rico after the hurricanes. I've seen what happens down here in Florida with the when there's a hurricane pending. Uh, and out there headed towards Florida, they clean out the grocery shelves. Now, I thought to myself one day with my wife, um, this is an actual conversation we had. I said, you know, it's interesting. Down here, the local, uh, the big chain is the Publix. And I said, what would happen if we had another Hurricane Andrew type event down here and some of the roads like 95 and the Florida Turnpike were cut off and the, and the, food, uh, the food stores down here, the food outlets, grocery stores couldn't restock their shelves. Serious question, folks. Do you have enough food in your house? I mean, it, it, this is not an illogical question to answer. I mean, we ensure everything in our lives it matters, even though the likelihood, thankfully, of you coming down with a fatal disease or getting in a car accident are still pretty slim. We ensure your health and you ensure your car. Why would you not ensure your food supply? It doesn't make any sense. Now, even though my Patriot Supply is a sponsor, I go out and buy stuff. I have the receipts. I'm happy to show them to you because I do not want to be caught. I ensure my food and my food supply because it matters to me. God forbid you need this one day. Now, if you go to preparewithdan.com, that's preparewithdan.com. They have a two-week emergency food supply available now. It was $137. It is now $75. That's preparewithdan.com. Go to preparewithdan.com. You can get a two-week emergency food supply. It'll last you 25 years. That is a lot of peace of mind to buy for 25 years to have that food insurance. Pick up a kit for you, for your kids, for your wife, for your neighbors. It's a two-week emergency food supply, breakfast, lunches, and dinners, right? Was $137. It's now available for just $75. Mm. Folks, that's like a bill in the Outback or Bonefish Grill. Yeah, You could secure your food supply 
for 25 years. Two-week emergency supply of food lasts 25 years. Was $137 available for $75. Now go to preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. Okay, uh, I'm going to get to the deplatforming of InfoWars in a second. But first, about the race last night. So just uh, some context as to what went on, because there's a lot of political commentary out there by people who, I don't know, they've either never run for office or they don't understand politics. Now, it looks like the Republican in Ohio Congressional District 12 that was endorsed by Trump, it was a special election. The congressman in the district stepped aside, I think it was Tiberi, he stepped aside, so they had a special election. It'll be another election in November, because remember, the House of Representatives seats are up every two years, obviously. Mm -hmm. So there'll be another election, uh, basically right around the corner, right? So... This it looks like the Republican pulled it out, Balderson, against Danny O'Connor. It was a very close race. Now, it shouldn't have been close. They're right. But moral victories don't count. Only actual victories count. Why shouldn't it have been close? And, and this is why I want to say, on one hand, nice job by Trump and the Republicans pulling this race out, Balderson himself, the candidate. But on the other hand, be wary, folks. I ran for office. I ran in a Democrat plus six district. That is a metric they call the Cook PVI, the Partisan Value Index. It is the gold standard for measuring either the Democrat or Republican lean of a congressional district, okay? Mm -hmm. It's named after Charlie Cook. It's the Cook Partisan Value Index. I ran in a district in Maryland that was a D plus six, which averages the vote in the presidential election over two election cycles in that district and how it compares to the national numbers. So I'm trying to give you an analogy to make it simple. Let's say you're in a congressional district uh, one in Maryland, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And that congressional district votes for Trump at, say, 60 percent every time over two election cycles. Got you copy. Mm -hmm. If the national election Trump won, uh, say, 50, 49, then that would be roughly an R plus 10, meaning that congressional district leans Republican 10 points more than the national Mm -hmm. trend on Trump. You get what I'm saying, Joe? Does that make sense, folks? Pretty simple, man. The district I was in was a D plus six, meaning it was really, really heavily Democratic. D plus six is a lot. I don't think there's a Republican in the country in a D plus four district or more. We almost won. Almost doesn't count. We lost. Now, we lost by one point, but again, very few people gave us credit. Maybe the Baltimore Sun at the time. But Balderson won, looks like he's going to win last night, pull it out, in a sliver. It looks like it'll be one point or less the victory. That's an R plus seven. Oh. Yeah. So Balderson, I'm not knocking him. It was He ran a decent campaign. But yes, the Republicans should have won by a more significant margin. But I'm just giving you the example, not to insert myself into the story, to show you from an example I lived through myself that, ladies and gentlemen, this is not unprecedented, okay? Maryland was not flipping red, uh, you know, there's a Republican governor, but it's still a deeply blue state because I almost won. The country's not flipping blue because a guy almost won in an R plus seven. These things happen. There are local issues on the ground. There's a lot of anti-Trump animosity. I wish there weren't, but there is. But they, the guy didn't win. The Republican won. And these things happen. If it was an R plus 20, Joe, and it was close, then I'd say, well, Houston, we've got a really serious <laughs> yeah. problem. So just to sum it up for you quick, because I, I, you know, I, I, I really can't stand poor election night uh, coverage and really awful political analysis. Understand, number one, the takeaway, what the Cook PVI is. It matters. You can look it up in, on any district. Just Google it. Ohio 12 uh, Cook PVI. Anything plus Four or more is a pretty heavy lean in the other direction. So an R plus four, five, six, seven, eight is pretty heavily Republican. D plus four, five, six, seven, eight is pretty heavily Democrat. There are districts that are D plus 20, R plus 20. Those are unreachable. They're unwinnable. Those are districts that forget it. Once the primary is decided, either side it's over. But I'm just trying to tell you that last night, yeah, he won by a sliver. But this does happen. It almost happened to me. We lost by 1.2 in a, in a similar district, D plus six. This was an R plus seven. It doesn't, you know, you got to win. I'm not in Congress right now. Okay, uh, moving on. Folks, the, the conversation, here's why, number one, there was other breaking news I had to cover. But this is important, this, this, this story about the deplatforming of Alex Jones and InfoWars. Here's what's going on here. Don't get suckered. No, I'm serious. Don't get suckered. I am really troubled. I've been following the Twitter conversation, taking it in over a couple days to see where this is going. 
And what's troubling to me is how people on our side of the aisle, conservatives and not many libertarians, but conservatives are starting to open themselves up, Joe, mm-hmm. to the introduction of government to write as they write what they uh, what what the, what these wrongs are. Now, let's lay out the battlefield. What happened? Why this matters? And why I think the liberals are playing us for fools. Do not fall in this trap. If you've been following my tweets over the last few days, I've been tweeting about this. Oh. Which, infu- you know, which infuriated me, all these people emailing me. I know where you're going. Uh, why aren't you talking about this? Do you follow no, me on Twitter? I've been talking about it for two days. No, nah, I don't, but I know where you're going. I, I never thought yeah, of it either this is, without saying, I just don't. Uh, don't be a sucker. I know you know him because we've actually talked about this yeah. before. Here's what's happening. Alex Jones and InfoWars have been basically deplatformed. YouTube, Facebook, uh, believe he's still up on Twitter. Yeah, Jack uh, Dorsey from Twitter put out a statement last night that he was going to let Alex Jones continue, uh, but other continue his his show. Now, Alex Jones, obviously a controversial figure. It's not just uh, YouTube and Facebook, Joe. It's others as well. Now, I have said to you repeatedly, they are baiting us here. These are free market companies. They are. I don't agree with their. I wish they would just let speech be speech and let people choose for themselves like grown adults what they want to listen to and not. But guys, I am not. I am not a libertarian conservative of convenience here. I have been. And by the way, for those of you who go, oh, well, that's brave to say until it impacts you. It has impacted me. Joe and I cannot run ads on Twitter. We were banned from Twitter for nobody's told us the reason to this day. Now, our account wasn't banned. I want to be clear because I get emails. I can still see you. On Twitter. No, we're on Twitter. We are not allowed to run ads. We were running uh, $100 a month in promotional advertising for the podcast on Twitter. I got an, uh, a DM from them one morning or an email saying, hey, your account, uh, your access to Twitter ads has been suspended. No reason, nothing. It just basically said, see you later. See you. Wouldn't want to be. You. I have been impacted by mm-hmm. this. What are you talking about? And my stance then is my stance now. These are these are free companies in a free market that are allowed to make really dumb decisions that they do. This is a bad decision. Are we clear on that? You don't have to agree with Jones. The controversies uh, he's been involved in. You don't have to agree with any of that. But Joe. Let me propose a simple solution for you. Mm-hmm. At any point in your life, have you been forced like a clockwork orange to watch or listen to Alex Jones? No. No, you haven't. You don't have to listen. Just tune it out if you don't like it. It's not hard. Why they are deplatforming this guy is obviously a strategy by the left to engage in a social pressure campaign to equate speech with violence which it is not, speech is speech, violence is violence, so they can get people deplatformed. And yes, I agree with you. It is only the beginning with Alex Jones and InfoWars. I agree. I see your emails. Mm -hmm. You're right. People keep sending me, Dan, it'll be you next. It already has been me. By the way, our YouTube videos... They're, they go turn yellow every single day. Why? Because people flag them. For what? For conservative content. That's it. Yep. YouTube has never given us a good reason. We we stopped even complaining about it. YouTube is a, it's 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 a sham platform that discriminates against conservatives. We just throw them up there to be convenient for you. You some of you may be listening on YouTube right now as our videos are demonetized only because we're conservatives. No one's ever given us a reason. It has happened to me. It happens to me literally every day. But folks. There is only one solution here. It is to create alternatives, free market alternatives to YouTube, to Twitter, and to Facebook. Do you understand that is the only solution? And for people who've been emailing me back and saying, well, that's not possible. Really? Because it happened to MySpace. MySpace, people didn't like it. They went to Facebook. It's actually highly likely that this is going to happen soon. Now, the reason it's taken a long time is because people have invested a lot of time in building Twitter and Facebook followings, and they still use it to get their message out. I don't think right now is the appropriate time for all of us to seed, you know, our our, our uh, seed control of the platform to the libs. Now, I have boycotted it at times, and I'll continue to do that when the timing's appropriate. But folks... 
the sucker part of this, this is where I'm, I'm begging you, don't get suckered. I'm seeing people now jump on this bandwagon. This is a Trojan horse where they're like, well, the government can get involved here because there are rules and, and these are publicly traded companies. Folks, this is a huge, cataclysmic, apocalyptic, catastrophic mistake of the highest order. <laughs> Thank you, Joe Pesci. I am telling you, do not get suckered by this. The Democrats are, are begging you to do this because what is going to happen? The minute a Democrat gets back in the White House and they take over the House and Senate, there will be a full-blown effort to use the rules you may be championing, championing right now to deplatform everybody. Oh, hate speech, hate speech. Bongino said, mentioned the name of uh, of a conservative, uh, whatever. He's out. Hate speech. Mm-hmm. Bongino's talking about abortion. Hate speech. We will all be gone, and the government will be the one doing it, and there will be no alternative because it will be illegal. They are begging you to do this. This is a huge scam by the left. Let me walk you through the strategy because if you're not familiar with the strategy, you're getting owned right now. Good deal. The strategy is to create enough activists and social pressure on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of these social platforms to go after people like Jones, what they think are the low-hanging fruit first, people who are controversial. Get rid of them first. Introduce this hate speech, speech is violence uh, nonsense that they keep talking about. Once they get enough conservatives and, and followers of, of the people they can get deplatformed upset, they are praying you start calling for government regulation. To boot, they will jump on the government regulation bandwagon which re- with Republicans who get sucked into this too. Pass legislation about hate speech and stuff online and whatever it may be, and you will be the one to pay the price later as everybody is wiped off the platform. You will have nothing but NPR and the BBC left. This is a huge mistake. And I have not even remotely been avoiding this topic. I talked about it last night on NRA TV. I talked about it on Monday night with Laura Ingram. I talked about it on Fox and Friends. Repeatedly. This is a huge mistake. Folks, There, listen to me, please. There is no government solution to this. It is a Trojan horse. They will, they will introduce some law to, to whatever. It'll be called, and Joe, here's what it'll be called. Mm-hmm. The protect speech online of law. Course. And there'll be a writer in there about hate speech, which will be used by Democrats when they get in power to wipe all of us of out. Of course. Do not, do not be a sucker for this. Please. Now, there is one exception, I will say. You absolutely cannot mess with elections. That is different. Mm-hmm. I, I do not object at all to government intervention on behalf of political candidates here because what's happening now too if you miss the the uh, candidate uh she's from cambodia she ran she's a republican she ran a really uh terrific ad on facebook and facebook uh shut down the ad now i believe they shut it down because she was a republican um but in that case when it comes to elections you absolutely have to if you are going to take money Now, you don't want to take money from either candidate, whatever, that's fine, or any party, and you don't want to run political ads, fine, you should be able to do that. Mm But, Joe, you're in the actual terrestrial broadcasting business, too, at WCBN. There are very strict rules on how that works. Yes, there are. And that I agree with. You cannot charge a Democrat more than a Republican. You have to charge them the lowest rate. I agree with that because ensuring the fairness of our elections and the ability of candidates to get the message out there, that is, I believe, a legitimate, bipartisan, actually nonpartisan role of government. If you're going to be Facebook and you're going to start banning political ads based on the content, no, 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 no. No, no, then then we've got a problem. Then we've got a real problem. But that is entirely different than free market content. Listen, folks, if Facebook wants to ban me tomorrow, I promise you I will be super PO'd. But my, vo- my, my, my stance on this will not change one bit. 
Facebook, Twitter, they are free to do what they want. YouTube, too. They've screwed me over multiple times and will continue to. And I'm absolutely convinced, based on hard evidence, they're doing it because I'm a conservative. I'm begging you, please do not call for government intervention here. People talking about SEC rules for publicly traded companies. Guys, this is a disaster. The left is absolutely praying you go down this track. Because once you bring the government in, there is absolutely no turning around. Joe, remember the you've been in the radio a long time. Remember the fairness doctrine? Yeah, I remember the fairness. You doctrine. had to run. The, remember the paperwork and oh. all this stuff. They had to run an equal amount of ideologically opposite yep. ideas. You ran like a conservative show. You had to run a liberal yep. show. It destroyed terrestrial radio. Mm. And Joe, by the way, who got hurt by the fairness doctrine? Conservatives or liberals? Conservatives. Conservatives, yeah. because the folks, you understand that they did not want to play any mm. conservative content at all because they had to then play liberal content. And Joe, what was the problem with liberal content at the time? Nobody wanted right. it. So it, um, is anything I'm saying no. wrong? So the radio station said, okay, if we have to play ever an hour of liberal content for an hour of conservative content, but the hour of conservative content is going to crush it in the ratings, but no one's going to watch the liberal content at all. And it's just a wash. We might as well just play the top 40 Smokey Robinson all day and believe me the candidates were listening believe it yeah yeah, oh, yeah. exactly <laughs> and then what happened after they dumped the fairness doctrine and they let the radio do its own thing in the free market we saw the explosion of Mark mm. Levin Sean Hannity Rush Limbaugh because liberals didn't weren't interested conservatives were do not introduce government control. It is a huge mistake. I'm, guys, I can't tell you. Um, I can't tell you what Twitter because I'm afraid. Honestly, I'm afraid they'll block me. I follow a select group of accounts. I've let a few out over time on Twitter, and they're a really good barometer of what the current zeitgeist is among them. What they're all thinking, where they're going with stuff. Take my word for this. They are begging you to jump on this. Government has to get involved. They are begging for it. Because the minute you introduce that, they are going to use government to shut you down. Say, well, we're already shut down. At least now we have the option of an alternative. I'm not suggesting these are good options. I'm just telling you, once the force of government gets involved, it's over. Please don't be a sucker for this. I'm begging you. Okay, I got some other uh, breaking news. In case you missed it, John Solomon last night um, on Hannity at the Hill. I have an article in the show notes today. Released some just, uh, (laughs) oh man, some incredible information about the information superhighway and Spygate. It it only gets worse for them. Um, We'll get to that in a second. All right, today's show also brought to you by buddies at Filter By. Hey, I saw an article uh, last week about how air pollution in national parks is as bad as the top 20 major cities in the U.S. I'm sure the unhinged radical left is going to blame this on Trump. Maybe Putin, too. They got to love filter by. This is why you got to support it. They're great. They write their own stuff. The real reason is because these parks are downwind of air pollution sources like agriculture, industry, major highways, and urban areas. So basically, there's nowhere to run except inside. And we now know that indoor air quality is often worse than the air outside. I work inside all day. That's why I use filter by and I change my filters often. You should too. This is why I go to filterby.com and I keep a fresh set of filters in my house and I keep I keep that central air system clean, running efficiently, keeps my lungs clean too. Filterby is America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses with over 600 sizes that ship for free within 24 hours plus they're manufactured right here in the great old US of A. I recommend you set up auto delivery so you don't forget to regularly switch up your filters like I do. Plus, they'll knock 5% off the order when you sign up for auto delivery. Save time. Save money. Breathe better. Clean out your system. Clean out your lungs with filterby.com. That's filterbuy.com. Filterby.com. Tell them Dan Bongino sent you. It's a family-owned business, folks, and they are uh, believers. So if you support them, we'd really appreciate it. Okay. So there you go. That's that. Do not be uh, get suckered into this government intervention nonsense. Okay. Um, last night, a couple of great stories. Uh, please, please, please check out the show notes today. Uh, Bongino.com. Subscribe to the email list. I will send them right to you. It really helps us get the message out. Folks, 
John Solomon and Jeff Carlson at the Markets Work have two pieces that if you are looking at uh, a full spectrum understanding of what happened in Spygate and the disaster it is, you need to read these two pieces. As I've been saying over the past couple days, I want to make this case simple for you because as we get more and more into the weeds, my fear is that new listeners who haven't heard this from episode number 628 on, um, as you join, you'll be confused. I don't want you to be confused. I want you to understand this case very simply. The Spygate scandal, the operation to spy on and take down the Trump team, is basically three sub-scandals. And each each day I go back and forth based on breaking news between these three sub-scandals. The three sub-scandals are this. The information laundering operation. In other words, the FBI and the DOJ laundering information, trying to take fake information on Donald Trump and make it look real. Like money laundering, mm-hmm. trying to take criminal profits and make them look legitimate. The FBI and DOJ tried to take fake information on Donald Trump, spurious nonsense information, and make it look like verified legitimate information to spy on him. That's scandal number one. Scandal number two is the spying operation on Trump. The human spying We know the Stefan Halper story, Central Intelligence Agency assets spying on the Trump team because we have the email. Also, the FISA spying. So the human, the human intelligence gathering operation and the SIGINT, to use industry, you know, Buffy terms, signal intelligence operation to get their uh, metadata, the emails, the the phone conversations. The third, so second is the spying. The third, uh, the third scandal here. So you have the spying. You have the uh, uh, sorry, you have the information laundering, and the third scandal, which is the biggest one of all, and what my book focuses on largely, is the framing operation, the setup of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. how this whole thing may have been initiated by the government. In other words, the assumption we've been working with is that well, there was suspicion that Trump was colluding with the Russians. My book lays out the premise that no. I don't believe there was suspicion at all Trump was colluding with the Russians. I believe the collusion with the Russians was planted by the very same people who said Trump was colluding with the Russians. So there are three separate scandals. The breaking news last night was about sub-scandal number one, the information superhighway. We now know that the information that the, the Hillary team paid for, they paid Fusion GPS to go into Kremlin-connected sources, as they say, and get information on Trump. The information turned out to be crap. To make it look non-crappy, they sent the information through multiple people back to the FBI. And the FBI saying, well, we're getting it from all these people assume that the information must have had some air of authenticity to it, which it didn't. Last night, we found out some more breaking news from John Solomon about this information superhighway, and it is damning. Solomon last night somehow uh, got a hold of, uh, through a source, uh, I haven't seen a lot of these yet, but he got a hold of emails, some emails between Christopher Steele and Bruce Orr. Why is this important? Remember, Hillary pays Fusion GPS to gin up fake information on Trump. They use this guy, Christopher Steele, as former British spy. The information's garbage. Steele turns out to be a garbage source later on. Steele is fired on, in early November by the FBI, terminated as a source. He is, quote, deemed, this is a quote by the FBI. Keep in mind, this is the guy generating all the information All of the stuff they used that we know about to spy on the Trump team. He is deemed, quote, Joe, not suitable for use. Mm -hmm. You know how you see that non-potable water sign? Christopher (laughs) Steele as a source is deemed not suitable for use. He's terminated in November. The FBI's own words in their in their memorandums christopher Steele is not a suitable source he's not suitable for use yet his information keeps making its way back into the fbi oh how's that well it turns out that they have some emails from bruce Orr and some notes from bruce Orr after Steele was dismissed joe that the FBI, quote, may go back to Chris. Wait, let me get this straight. Is this what Devin Nunes was referring to by um, Bruce Orr is going to take a bigger role in this scandal? So let me get this straight. Follow me here, folks, because this is important. This is critical. So the FBI in their own notes on this source, Christopher Steele, who's generating the information used to spy on Trump, their own notes indicate he's not suitable for use and he's terminated as a source. Yet after he's terminated and dismissed as a source, Bruce Orr 
a senior level Department of Justice official who answers to Sally Yates, anti-Trumper who was fired by Trump later on. Sally Yates, the, the, the genesis of the Mike Flynn uh, setup operation to get General Mike Flynn fired. She hates Trump, Sally Yates. She can't stand him. Bruce Orr, an upper level DOJ official who works for Sally Yates, and, and a note he has that the, uh, Solomon's got a hold of in his piece, I strongly encourage you to read it, says, well, they may go back to Chris. Folks, please, gosh, this is so simple to see. This is what is so disgusting about liberals who continue to ignore this was a setup. How in your right mind can you not come to the conclusion that the goal here was exclusively to nail the Trump team and not to generate an actual credible counterintelligence or criminal investigation? They just claimed in an earlier document that the source they're using is not suitable for use and fired them. After they fire him, the DOJ official who's now still corresponding with this guy, Christopher Steele, says, well, the FBI may go back to Chris. Why would they do that? Because they were hunting down Trump. They weren't hunting down Russian collusion. They were desperate. And the only source of information they had to buttress their silly Russian collusion nonsense fairy tale garbage conspiracy theory was this guy Christopher Steele who hated Trump, who was being paid by the Clinton operation. This is all they have. The media won't tell you this story. Now, I'll get to the Carlson piece in a minute because there's more he's, There's more stuff there. But let me read to you from the John Solomon piece some unbelievably troubling uh, communications between Steele, British spy, paid by the Clinton team, produced crappy information on Trump. Mm-hmm. Let me read to you some emails. By the way, I need some crowdsourcing on here. When I don't know something, I tell you. I don't pretend to be uh, a magician here or a mind reader. But I'm going to read this email, and there's a part at the end of this. I want you all to pay close attention. And if you have some good information on who I, I, it would be, I think I know who it is, but it'd be irresponsible for me to put it out. Well, let me just read it, and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about at the end. So this is from the John Solomon piece in the Hill available in the show notes. Steele, talking to Bruce Orr. He says, if you end up out, though, in other words, Sally Yates had been fired. So this is after the election. So Christopher Steele is emailing Bruce Orr. Donald Trump is now the president of right. So he says, if you end up out, I really need another bureau contact point or number who is briefed. So Christopher Steele, fake news generator on Donald Trump, paid by Hillary, says, listen, Bruce, who's an upper level DOJ official, if you, you're fired too, you need to send me another FBI contact who's briefed in on the matter, basically briefed in on his fake news about Donald Trump. This is interesting. We can't allow our guy to be forced to go back home. It would be disastrous. Folks, who the heck is our guy? Back home? Now, to give you a full spectrum analysis here, because I don't like conspiracy theories myself, it could be a cryptic way of talking about, you know, Hillary Clinton and gosh, maybe if we get this guy out before the election, I don't, I doubt it, but I'm just saying sometimes people write things cryptically to sound slick and smart. The Eagle has landed. The cigar has been lit. I'll be back to have vengeance. (laughs) It's perfect. It's like Skeletor does. That's really not what Skeletor meant. He really meant, yes, I'll be at the birthday party a half an hour early. You get what I'm saying? People talk. Now, I don't, I'm just saying because I want to give you an, an honest analysis. I don't think that's the case. But this is the British spy working with the Clinton team who generates the fake information on Trump who says we can't allow our guy to be forced to go back home. It would be disastrous. I have my suspicions here based on people Christopher Steele was working with and lobbyists, but I'm just going to put that these are, this is in the piece. That's why I'm, because I don't like leaving open-ended stuff. I mean, my job here is to give you guys answers, not questions, but it is in the piece and it's out there. And a lot of people are speculating on who that guy is, but what's important here also is Steele 
Steele is adamant that even if Bruce Orr is fired, he needs to continue working with the FBI. Ladies and gentlemen, this is after Steele's been terminated by the FBI and deemed not suitable for use. Do you understand the scandal this is? They spied on the president-elect, a presidential campaign team, an opposition political candidate using a source who fed information into the upper levels of the DOJ that the FBI themselves deemed, quote, not suitable for use who'd been fired. It gets worse. FBI officials now admit they continue to receive information from Steele through. Oh, thank you for admitting that now. As if, if you listen to episode 628 on, by the way, this is already old news. Yep. They identified more than a half a dozen times its agents interviewed or in late 2016 and 2017 to learn what Steele was saying. They continued to rely on Steele after his termination. This is certain to raise interest in Congress about the, whether the FBI broke its own rules. Of course they did. Now you know what they were hiding. Now, there's some other doozies in here. Steele asks Orr in the January 31st text exchange, Trump's already president now, if he can continue to help feed information to the FBI. Steele's already been terminated by the FBI. Orr, who's a DOJ higher-up, how this is one of the most corrupt things I've ever seen. He says, this is Orr responding. I'm still here and able to help as discussed or text back. I'll let you know if that changes. Oh, my gosh. You have an upper level DOJ official who answers to Sally Yates, a Trump hater. That point is, uh, is, is, is gone, right? Answers to a Trump hater, right? Who's about to be fired, Sally Yates, right? And says, hey. I'm still here able to help us discuss, despite the fact that the source he's talking to has already been deemed not credible by the FBI, not suitable for use. Oh, my gosh. There's another one here. Here's one that uh, he sends uh, He sends July 1st, right before the investigation starts. There's something separate I want to discuss with you informally and separately. It concern, concerns our favorite business tycoon. Gee, what does that mean? Folks, this is unreal. What a scam. What an unbelievable scam. Do you see how the information superhighway? Do you see how the information superhighway is the scam? How they laundered information through multiple channels. Let me break this down for you. They had bad information from Christopher Steele. Bad information should never make it into courts. That's why we swear as federal agents that the information is the truth as you, as you can. And you have verified it. Remember what I told you. Having been a federal agent, I've done this. I've worked sources. I know how this works. You can verify a source one of two ways. You can say you've used him before and his information was credible. Or if it's a first timer... Someone comes in the office, hey, I got information on a counterfeit operation. You have to do the independent legwork yourself to verify what the source is saying is true. Ladies and gentlemen, that was not the case here. Although Steele had worked with the FBI in the past, the new information he brought in, they did not, I shouldn't say or, they didn't verify the information independently. It was bad. It was fake. He lied to them. He told him he wasn't talking to the media. When he gets fired, instead of going off into the sunset, he seeks his way back in using Bruce Orr, who, I left this out up till now, most importantly, whose wife, Nellie, is now working for the same company that hired Chris Steele to generate the information. This was a disgusting, filthy information laundering operation using government officials and their spouses to get bad information that was not verified through multiple channels, the State Department where they had almost no capacity whatsoever to verify it because they're not law enforcement, to bring it in through Steele and John McCain's team, to bring it in through uh, Cody Shear and Sid Blumenthal, uh, Clinton, uh, you know, Clinton acolytes, and also to bring the information into the DOJ through Bruce Orr and his wife, who's now working for Fusion GPS. This is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Making it even worse, folks. Orr meets with Christopher Steele on July 30th in the Mayflower Hotel in Washington, D.C. Why does this matter? and Why should you care? What happens the very next day? 
July 31st. Crossfire hurricanes opened up. The counterintelligence investigation known as Crossfire Hurricane is opened up by Peter Stroke and the FBI the very next day, July 31st. Folks, this is the biggest political scandal in our history. You have a company that hires a foreign intelligence asset in Christopher Steele who hates Donald Trump. He generates fake information. That fake information is passed through multiple channels, not intelligence channels, because they know if they know it's fake. And if they pass it through normal intelligence channels, Joe, what'll happen? It'll be exposed as false. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They pass it through bureaucratic channels in the State Department. They pass it through the spouse of someone of someone working at that. They hire the spouse of someone working in the Justice Department. They hire Nellie Orr. Nellie Orr, Bruce Orr, they, they, connect, they connect Christopher Steele with a high-level DOJ official. They pass it to John McCain's staff. John McCain's staff walks it to the FBI. It's the same bad information, folks. The information laundering operation is a mega component of this mega scandal. Someone sat around and said, hey, let's hire. You know Bruce Orr at DOJ? His wife's a Russia person, Nellie. Let's hire her. Let's hire her at Fusion GPS. Maybe we'll get a conduit. Maybe we'll get a conduit into the DOJ. Now we know Steele is meeting with this DOJ official despite being already fired. You understand that? He had already been let go. Now, on this, Jeff Carlson over at the Markets Work, who does really, really terrific work, he talks about this. I I write it in my show notes here that this was a discredited source re-enlisted from the FBI. Re-enlisted. Remember that? Remember what I told you, the, uh, the, the Bruce Orr's notes. Hey, the FBI may have to, quote, may go back to Chris. You just discredited the guy. They used him from November to mid-May. Trump's already the president. They're still using this guy. What else happened? What else were they listening to? Now, Carlson points out a couple good... Uh, couple good things I have some bullet points on for you here. That November to May period, this period corresponds, the use of Christopher Steele again, this period corresponds with Dianne Feinstein's staffer, Dan Jones, a Democrat on the Senate Intel Committee, leaving her staff to work privately on verifying Steele's information still, his work with the Penn Quarter Group. So let's be clear on what's happening here. A staffer for a United States senator on the Senate Intel Committee, who's a Democrat, who obviously can't stand Donald Trump, a guy by the name of Dan Jones, in the same period that the FBI tries to re-enlist Christopher Steele after they've discredited him, and they use him and his contacts with Bruce Orr to, to what? To hide the information? At the same time, a staffer leaves Dianne Feinstein's staff and goes out and works privately with the Penn Quarter Group to still try to verify the garbage information Christopher Steele has. Carlson points this out in his piece. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to tell you is what was formerly a government operation based on Christopher Steele's uh, information fell apart, Joe, because Steele wasn't credible. Mm -hmm. So what did they do? Instead of being ethical, moral, and upstanding and saying, hey, this is a bad case, guys. It's a bad source. We got to let this go. We got to take a bath on this. Instead of doing that, what did they do? They moved to a back channel with Orr and moved it into the, and out of the government from Dianne Feinstein's office into this private operation with Dan Jones and the Penn Quarter Group to continue to desperately try to verify the garbage information given him by Steele. This is amazing. Amazing. It's in the piece and the market's work. I have never, ever in my life, I've worked innumerable uh, criminal investigations at the, at the uh, local city level with the NYPD and the federal level with the Secret Service. I have never in my life seen anything like this. I have worked cases, Joe, where six months in, you realize it's a dog. It's a dog. <laughs> You're like, you know what? The guy's guilty, but he's not guilty of what we thought. We got to let this go. We can't dedicate federal assets to this. I have never in my life said, hey... Let's bring in a discredited source and let's use let's use former government officials now working privately to generate information on this bad guy because hopefully one day we'll find something. That is personal. That is not government professional business. This was a targeted effort against Donald Trump, plain and simple. Now, another 
interesting component of the piece, the Jeff Carlson piece, that is, is he talks about how Devin Nunes has been bringing up lately that there was exculpatory evidence on Carter Page that was left out. Oh, this is bad, folks. This is bad. If you were caught as a federal agent hiding evidence that the person you're targeting is not guilty, this is this is a fireable offense uh, almost immediately. Exculpatory evidence, evidence which leading to the fact that you're innocent of, of what you're being accused of, legally speaking, not guilty. They're not actually the same thing. Nunes has been dropping this hint lately that Carter Page, the Trump uh, foreign policy advisor, who was formally spied on by the FBI, Nunes has been dropping hints, show that they had exculpatory evidence they left out. Was that exculpatory evidence the fact that they had used Carter Page in the past as a source? As a source in the Buryakov case, ladies and gentlemen, they used Carter Page as a government asset to nail Russian spies. He helped them. Is this what they left out? Did they, did they present that case as Carter Page being the bad guy when he, in fact, was a government source working with the government? Folks, these FBI agents will be in a world of trouble if they left that out. Claiming he is a foreign spy, you spy on him, Carter Page, and that there's probable cause that that's true, while leaving out information that they had helped them, the FBI nail the foreign spy in the past, is just, I can't describe to you the level of atrociousness this is going to be for the FBI if that comes out. Finally, one more point that uh, Carlson brings up in his piece. He talks about a reporter from, I believe it's Yahoo, Inhofe, Julie Inhofe, uh, someone from Yahoo, how she was contacted by a lot of people who seemed to have really detailed information, Joe, right around the time the FISA warrant was going down, October, September 2016. Mm-hmm. This reporter says, all these people are calling me with all this information about Carter Page and his connections. That information was in the dossier. But where else did it appear? That shouldn't be a surprise. The dossier was being shipped around to the media. But the level of detail in some of the information is odd. Where could that have come from? Well, remember, who was passing around the information? In other words, who was passing around the information? Remember the James Wolf thing last week? We now know that James Wolf, who is uh, alleged to have lied about James Wolf was an Intel Committee staffer. I promise this will make sense in a second. I sense you were a little confused. I'm with mm-hmm. you. Don't worry. I got you. James Wolf, who was a Senate Intel Committee. Remember the same committee Diane Feinstein was on? He was a staffer. He was and is being uh, prosecuted right now for allegations that he lied about leaks to a reporter he was involved with romantically. The day the FISA warrant in March, which is after that, but the day the FISA warrant in March is delivered to the Senate Intel Committee, the FISA warrant, the 82 pages, that same day, if you read the indictment, he texts his girlfriend, the reporter, 82 times. I suggested to you it's highly likely that he took a screenshot of every page and texted it to his girlfriend. Now, why does that, why is that important? Because, folks, the media may already have the unredacted FISA. What leads me to believe that? If you read the redacted FISA, multiple pages, Joe, are blacked out completely. Mm -hmm. Why would you, Joe, if you were sending me a document over text using the phone feature on your phone, why would you send me a completely blacked out page? I wouldn't. You wouldn't? No. So if the document was 82 pages, he sends 82 texts. It's highly likely he sent her the unredacted FISA. Meaning what? Meaning the media may be in on this thing the whole time. The media may already have unredacted information we don't have. And that's why they've gotten real quiet about that story. Let me just sum this up for you because I sense a little bit of confusion. I can almost feel it. My antenna go up. 
The media story after the redacted FISA warrant, the warrant used to spy on the Trump team was, oh, no, no, no. All the dirty secrets about how bad Trump was. They're in the unredacted portions of it. And once those come out, they're going to be devastating. That story died almost instantly. My suggestion to you is that that's because select members of the media are talking to each other who've already read the unredacted version, texted to them by, could be, could be Wolf's texts, the unredacted version. They've already read it. And many of them are probably like, oh boy, this is even worse. Not only they spy on the Trump team, but they may, who that other guy is, that other guy Steele's talking about, we can't have our guy sent home. Is that in there? What else is in there? How bad was this? Was the Bruce Orr traffic in there? Bruce Orr using a discredited FBI source when the FBI the, the FBI said the guy was not suitable for use, but then he talks to Bruce Orr and they walk into court and swear he's suitable for use again? Is that what's in there? Folks, that's why the media has shut that down. The media is not talking about the blacked out portions of the redacted document anymore because I believe they've now seen it, a lot of them, and they know how bad it is. It's even worse. Do they already know it? Are they hiding it? Are they hiding the story? Do they already have the, the they have information that is really, really ugly and the media just won't put it out there? My suggestion to you is most definitely yes. All right, I got a couple more stories uh, uh, to get to, but today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. If you listened to yesterday's show, I read a just an incredible testimonial on email from uh, a person who had sent me some feedback about foundation, their creatine ATP blend. It was a legitimate email. I'm not messing with you. Uh, the product is terrific. I know Joe's uh, son, little Joe, loves oh, yeah. it. My nephew loves it. He drove all the way up from Fort Lauderdale. That's how great this product is. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. It is a creatine and ATP blend, meaning it may sound all complicated. It's basically you'll look better, you'll feel better, you'll perform better. It is the trifecta. If you don't believe me and you think, oh, those testimonials, whatever, Dan is always talking about all these emails he gets on it. If you think, ah, I don't know, maybe that sounds, just try it. Try a bottle. And here's what I encourage you to do. I'm so confident this works. Take the mirror test. Go look in the mirror. Take a mental snapshot of what you look like. And then seven days later, after letting the product work and it's going to saturate the muscles a little bit, look, you will look more toned. You will look more defined. It is a terrific product. But not only that, take the performance test too. Go to the gym. Take a, you know, take down a little note, piece of paper, how much you're doing, bench press, whatever, squat, flies, curls, whatever they may be, your run time. Come back seven days later. Take a look again. The product is that good. The testimonials I get on this are absolutely incredible. The product is called Foundation. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. You won't regret it. This is a terrific product. Go check it out. Okay. A um, couple other stories in the show notes. One I'll just cover quickly. Um, ever since the Janus agreement, uh, the Janus, uh, excuse me, not agreement, decision came down to Supreme Court regarding unions. The Janus uh, basically said that public sector unions can't force people to pay in anymore and become union members. Mm -hmm. You know, I warned you that this was going to be big trouble for unions. Now, unions are desperately trying to change the rules to keep people in. But Joe, story in IJ Review I'll have in the show notes today. New York's expected to lose 31,000 members, Pennsylvania, 24,000 members. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm a free market guy, even when it hurts me, as I opened up the show talking about. Mm -hmm. And if you believe in free markets like I do, unions should have to follow the same rules. You have a service you think is valuable to people in a union, you shouldn't have to force them to sign up. And now that they don't force them to sign up anymore, what happened? 31,000 people in New York dropped out. 24,000 people in Pennsylvania. I told you this day was coming. Now unions are getting themselves in a world of trouble, Joe, because they're trying to enact all these rules like, oh, well, you're only going to have a 10 day window to get out, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. Not going to work. You're going to be sued. You are going to be sued. And you're going to be forced to pay back all that union money. You will not win this. It's time to really just take a lot. The law, it's done. You will now, you can't force people to join anymore. These public sector unions, you are going to lose huge money on this. So that, check out that story. But this is an important one. I have a great article at Bongino.com. Be in the show notes today. Uh, Matt Palumbo is doing a lot of great work on debunking socialism. And he wrote a piece today about the cost of all these socialist programs. And by the way, Nelson Muntz, moment, eh, eh, Nelson Muntz was laughing last <laughs> night at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who endorsed 
uh, a number of candidates around the country, Joe, and uh, they all got smoked, mm-hmm. some of them by double digits. So she is um, not doing particularly well in her endorsement cycle. You know, I've endorsed candidates that lost, but I've also endorsed candidates that won. Um, so, um, you know, but, but she's uh, socialism apparently is not spreading across the country like the virus she thought it was. But there have been a couple good pieces out there, and Matt did one which have laid out the cost of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's uh, expensive and Bernie Sanders-like programs, Joe. So there's three of them I wanted to address that Matt addresses in the piece. Single-payer, free college, and a guaranteed jobs program. Guaranteed government jobs. That's what we need right now. Guaranteed government jobs. Brilliant idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, first, let's go to the cost. And Hat Tip Daily Wire, I have a piece of them in the show notes too. They break down... Um, what it's going to take tax-wise to pay for these programs. Okay, folks, here we go. Number one, they are going to have to tax to pay the $42 trillion 10-year bill. And by the way, I think that's an underestimate. For free health care, free college, and a guaranteed government job, they are going to have to tax, Joe, what percentage of corporate profits? Let's say 100%. So you're going to have to basically tax every business in the country for everything they're worth, which of course will put them out of business immediately because they won't have any money to spend on their own businesses. So your job would go out the window. So to pay for that $42 trillion, uh, those $42 trillion programs, by the way, these estimates are by the Urban Institute, which is a left-leaning outlet, not a right-leaning outlet. So before you liberals jump down my throat. And say, oh, those costs are outrageous. Really? $42 trillion is an underestimate. That's the lefties saying it, okay? So you're going to have to tax, Joe, not just 100% corporate profits. You're going to have to tax all wage income for pass-through income and wage income for anyone making as a married couple $150,000 or more. So if you're a married couple out there, you make $150K or more. All your money, all your money is going to have to basically go get turned over to the government to pay for, quote, free college. That free college is real expensive. Free health care and a guaranteed jobs program for folks. So there we go. There's the number one way. The number two way to pay for it. Do you get that? 100% of corporate profits and 100% of wage income for people, $150,000. Mm-hmm. Number two way to pay for it. This one's, this one's far superior. This is wonderful. An 80%, 87% value-added tax. Oh. There you go. So a national sales tax at all levels of production oh. of 87%. So there you go. The cost of the goods you buy would go up explosively, potentially doubling for just about everything you buy, but no big deal there. That's super cheap, too. Um, the third option, Joe, to pay for it is a payroll tax. Of 37% on top of the current 15.3% payroll tax you pay now, which will affect everybody in the entire country, not just the wages of people who make $150,000 or more. So if you are a, you know, a, uh, in the, some of these lower income categories, you're making $40,000 a year, you can now factor in a nearly 50% pay, pay, by the way, this is in addition to income taxes. This is not the only tax. In addition to the income taxes you pay and the sales taxes and the property taxes, you are going to pay an additional 37% payroll tax on top of the 15% tax you pay now. This is everyone. Oh. This is real. So that's from the Daily Wire piece. Now, Matt added some other great stuff in the Bongino.com piece about the cost of these programs. He goes into some of that stuff, too. To, the reason the $42 trillion estimate for all those programs and the $32 trillion estimate for health care for all, free health care, free Joe, air quotes, is a low estimate, Matt goes into some good points here, is because it assumes certain things will happen. The number one assumption, that doctors, if you're a doctor out there, you would have to take a 40% cut in your salary. Oh. 40%. Now, I know uh, you know the class warriors out there, Joe, I know what they're mm. thinking. Screw them. They make a lot of money. It's go get them. Oh, really? They don't have to work, folks. What are you going to think? It's a gulag? You're going to force them to go back to work? You would see retirements on a mass scale. A mass scale. Good luck finding a doctor once you tell them they got to cut half their salaries. It's not how the free market works, folks. 40%. It assumes that they'll take it. What I'm trying to tell you is the $32 trillion is an underestimate because they're not going to accept a cut in their salaries of almost half. Right. They're just going to retire. And then the government will say, we can't retire. No one will get a doctor. Well, pay us what we're worth. Okay. That's why this is an underestimate. 
It also ridiculously, this $32 trillion uh, 10-year cost of, of healthcare, free healthcare for all, would be, they're assuming, Joe, there would be 11% cut in spending. So Matt points this out. It's a great point. He goes, really? How's that going to be? You're going to bring all these new people onto the healthcare rolls, new people who are now getting it, quote, free. They're not going to cost us anything additional. And the people who are there now, which is already a good significant swath of the population through Medicare and Medicaid, are going to spend 11% less. Uh, I don't think so, folks. Don't be a sucker. Not going to happen. No. 11% cut in spending by adding all these people onto the healthcare rolls? That's idiocy. Of course the $32 trillion number is an underestimate. Give me a break. Please read the piece. It's a good one. Folks, the show notes today, please check them out. I really appreciate it. Um, also, I appreciate your subscriptions to the show. They drive us up the charts. We haven't been out of the top 25 in a long time on iTunes. Um, the subscriptions matter. It's free. Go to iTunes. You can subscribe there. iHeart, you can follow. SoundCloud, you can subscribe. Spotify, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And please pick up a copy of my latest book, Spygate, uh, or available for pre-order now on Amazon. Explains all the stuff I talked about uh, today. So I appreciate it. Um, thanks a lot folks really appreciate it i'll talk to you all tomorrow you just heard the dan bongino show get more of dan online anytime at conservativereview.com you can also get dan's podcasts on itunes or soundcloud and follow dan on twitter 24 7 at d bongino